Hey there, Coach Rocky here, talking about all things rye hockey. Today, I have two. I have a twofer. I have two very special guests, Brendan Doyle and Dan Brierley, former players, very good players, coaches, scouts, and fathers. Welcome, Brendan and Dan. Thank you. Thanks Thank for having you, Rocky. So here we are, six months after we started these podcasts. Amazing how the season goes so fast. From very early on, Eric Bomber, our esteemed president, has strongly suggested that I interview Brendan and Dan together. He did not want you apart. There was something about getting you together. Um, so here we are. And um, I think it's, uh, it's important that we talk a little bit about your individual backgrounds, but then we're going to talk about your collective backgrounds, if you don't mind. So Brendan, why don't we start with you? Who are you? Where are you from? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, appreciate you inviting Dan and I on um, and looking forward to it. I know folks have had a great time you know, on the podcast, so it's like that you, you invited us to be here. Um, quick background on me. I grew up uh, the son of an Army officer, so moved around uh, a lot and had the benefit of, of living in some great places, one of which was at West Point, New York, where my dad was on the faculty. Um, he had played hockey at West Point and then was back there. So he grew up for a number of years at West Point. And then my dad retired from the Army when I was in college. Uh, my folks moved to Massachusetts. So um, kind of moved all over the place and had the benefit, which I know we'll get to, but of crossing paths with Dan uh, far before college where we became teammates. But, uh, you know, in high school, both uh, against one another and then as teammates in summer hockey. So... Um, Okay, so quick, where, where did you go to school? So um, went to high school at Hotchkiss, um, spent uh, three years at Hotchkiss, and then ended up at Yale uh, alongside Dan as classmates there uh, in, the, in the early mid-90s. Great. Okay, Dan, to, over to you. Who are you? Where are you from? So I am from Brewster, New York, not too far from here. Um, you know, Brendan and I grew up in the same neck of the woods and the same hockey circles. The circles were a lot smaller uh, then. My um, parents, I was originally born in New Hampshire. My parents moved to Brewster when I was a year old. I started playing hockey when I was five. My dad layered me up in about 14 sweaters and 14 pairs of socks and threw me on the ice. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. I absolutely hated it. I had to go to the bathroom about a half a lap in and proceeded to hop off the ice. Um, but we kept after it. I, st I played at Putnam Hockey. Uh, paternity Pauling. That was really the only rink around. <clears throat> Played for a couple of youth programs, uh, one over in Bear Mountain where you know BD grew up, um, and then I actually played for a team in Rye, um, and then I played for Mid Fairfield for a year, and then I went to Choate for high school, and then like BD said, we went to Yale, played hockey together there. And then after Yale, I played uh, in Jacksonville, Florida in the East Coast Hockey League for two years which I absolutely loved. Congrats. Yeah, thank and you. And you were also a, a draft pick, too. I was. Uh, I was drafted by the Rangers in the ninth round my senior year at Choate. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. So uh, back to you, Brennan. Uh, family, how many kids? Yeah, so I've got two kids. Both of them um, have been Rye Rangers. My son's still a Rye Ranger. Nick will uh, be a Peewee this year, second year Peewee. My daughter, Caitlin, was a Rye Ranger. She's an eighth grader now. She played Rye Rangers through Peewees. And uh, my wife, Alex, who uh, keeps the family together, keeps us on the hockey schedule, as Dan can attest, and you, Rocky, as well, and all the hockey families out there, it's a huge family commitment. Um, so Alex, you know, makes sure that we're 
schedule's running on time, and she's been manager for multiple teams, so uh, she's uh, a big part of the, the hockey operation in our household. That's great. Dan, how about you kids? I have three children, um, younger than Brendan's. Uh, I have a daughter, nine, Chloe. I have a middle child, Tyler, who's six, and then I have a two-year-old. His name's Rhett. Chloe and Tyler both play in Rye Rangers. Chloe just finished up uh, her last year of Mites and just tried out for squirts. And Tyler is going to be in Mite Miners next year. Rhett's still two years away from <laughs> junior clinic. Um, my wife, Jessica, and I met when we were living in New York City. Uh, we've been married for 10 years. This is our 10-year anniversary this year. Congrats. <clears throat> Thank you. We lived in the city for a long time, uh, each of us 15, 16 years, before we decided to move out when we had more children. Uh, and, you know, we saw Rye, fell in love with it, was lucky enough to, to find a house here, and it was ju it's just been a great place to raise our children thus far. And I heard a, gr a great story how you did find your house. You want to share that story? Yeah, he's sitting right next to me. Uh, it's, <laughs> it it's, begins. It's a, yeah. yeah, it's a daunting process when you're coming from the city and trying to figure out which town you want to be in and the availability of housing. So not only did Brendan, I end up buying a house two doors away from Brendan, um, I used his real estate broker as well, Susanna Cronin. So Brendan made it very, very easy for me. I, I actually didn't think I was going to be able to find a house in, in Rye. Um, it was, it's, a very, it's a great place to live. Um, and at the time that I was looking, there weren't too many houses um, that kind of fit my budget. And luckily, um, we were kind of going through a second time through the house that we currently live in. Um, and it just kind of fit our budget, and everything worked out really smoothly, and we, we couldn't be happier. That's great. Great to hear. So let's get back to the hockey. You uh, both started very young. Um, what are your earliest memories? And I, I love asking this question. Do you remember your first might practice and your first scrimmage and your first game vis-a-vis -vis what we do today with the young mites, with the ADM program? How much has it changed for you, Brendan? Yeah, you know, it's changed quite a bit. I think USA Hockey's done a great job, and the Rye Rangers have done a wonderful job of embracing the ADM model. Uh, I was fortunate, like I mentioned earlier, to grow up for a number of years at West Point, um, and they were really driven by, you know, Jack Riley, who was the coach at Army. And, he and all was, the Rileys. All the Rileys. Brian is still coaching there. Rob coached before him, and, and then obviously Jack. Jack had been a big, you know, uh, participant in USA Hockey, actually coached the 60 team to a gold medal at Squaw Valley. So I, my dad had played for Jack, and, and so there was not that many kids on West Point that played hockey. So... You know, we had the benefit of, of kind of having small area games. In fact, Jack would sometimes have his team at one end, and he'd put a fire hose down through the red line, and the younger kids, you know, faculty kids, could use the other half of the ice. So they were relatively early, and I think just without even you know putting much thought into it, but having you know kind of small area games. I think what the USA Hockey's done now to get you know so many kids on the ice. Uh, at one time and using the stations-based practices is wonderful at the particularly at the younger level so you know, my early memories and Dan jokes about it you know his dad layering him up I mean the rinks back then were freezing uh, Smith rink at, at Army was one of the cold it made right you know country day look you know look balmy it was freezing cold so I think like Dan said you know you you had this kind of inner conflict that you wanted to play so badly that you'd overcome you know the the cold um, but the early memories were, you know, just putting on a hat and, and, you know, underneath your helmet, gloves under your gloves, and just going out and skating as much as you could. And, you know, we were fortunate to have a ton of free ice there at West Point, so we got to skate, skate a lot. And a lot of it was just informal kind of pickup stuff. So 
um, great memories. But I think the ADM model now, the kids are very lucky to have um, that structure that USA Hockey has brought to it and, and Rise embraced, um, which I think is excellent. Dan, would you uh, agree with that? I wholeheartedly. Um, I, the program that I started in wasn't nearly as advanced. I mean, we had a lot of ice availability at Trinity Pauling, but the drills were very basic. Start in the corner, everybody waits in line forever, and you skate around cones. There wasn't nearly as much skill development um, as there is now in the ADM program. And USA Hockey really had the identity of being kind of a dump-and-chase country in terms of hockey. So whenever I would play internationally, we'd always have a very difficult time, obviously, with the higher-skilled nations, particularly Russia, Sweden, uh, so on and so forth. But with the you know, introduction of the ADM model, it's completely revolutionized hockey in the United States. You could see it through the draft picks. You could see it through the Olympics. You could see it through our performance in the World Junior Tournament. Um, and now you have countries like Canada coming to us to see you know, what things that we have done to accelerate our program so quickly. So it was a lot different then. Um, it's, it's much, much better now for hockey development for everybody involved. So when would you say you uh, became serious about playing hockey? When did it become really important to you, Brennan? So I think, I mean, early on, there was a real passion for it. You know, you, you, there's, and I think families and Rye would attest to it that are involved. It really is something that, you know, is a family sport. My dad had played, and so early on, um, I was, you know, very passionate about it. I would always play, you know, in, at the local level, um, wherever we lived, which was in Rhode Island, Colorado, Alaska, New York. You'd try and find the most competitive local program. Um, and then, but I'd say in terms of, I guess to your question is when we really started to take it to, you know, a, a, a travel level was probably my freshman year uh, in high school came down from West Point and tried out for a team in Ramapo, the Ramapo Saints okay. um, no. over there, yeah, and, and played for a team there. We ended up winning the national championship that year. And that was really the first year as a freshman that you know, started to travel more extensively. Um, and then the following year went to Hotchkiss. Um, and then, so about 14, 15 years old. That's yeah, what exactly. And Dan, yourself? I started traveling a little bit earlier than that. My first year of my first year of sports, I played for a team in Lotar over in Bear Mountain. It's called the Lotar Rangers. Um, so I played there for a year. And then right up through high school, um, I traveled. So I started a little bit earlier than Brennan. So you, um, you guys are the same age. We're about to get to uh, college, but we still have to go through high school. Um, I know uh, you went to Choate and you went to Hotchkiss. You must have played against each other, and sounds like you might have played against each other before high school. So do you remember the first time playing against each other? I remember the first time playing with Dan, actually. So we played with one another before we played against each other. Dan and I, I don't know if they still have it, but back when we were growing up, they had the Empire State Games in New York State, and it was a summer... Um, I think next to the Olympics, they considered it to be, I think, the, the second largest amateur sporting event that brought together, you know, um, really all the Olympic-type sports. But it was in the summer, so even winter sports were in the summer, uh, including hockey. So Dan and I were both fortunate enough to play for the Team Hudson Valley. I think they split New York into, what, five regions? I think it was five, yeah. So you had Adirondack, Western, New York City, Long Island, Hudson Valley. So Dan and I 
teamed up together for, I think, two years, right, for Hudson Valley? I think I only played, you played two years, I played one. Okay, yeah, so. We teamed up when we went to Syracuse. Yeah. The Onondaga War Memorial. Yeah, so we played up in the, uh, in the War Memorial in Syracuse, which the ice was melting, I think, yeah. in the summertime. And I, there's more water than ice, <laughs> actually. Exactly, so we played together then, and then, uh, so we got to know each other through the summer hockey circuit, and we played together for uh, Team New York and Hockey Night in Boston, which is a, a summer tournament uh, in Boston where they bring together teams from all over now. And Dan and I represented Team New York. So we got to know one another um, through summer hockey. And then when it came time for high school is when we started playing against one another, uh, actually in not just hockey, but also in, in lacrosse. So we spent you know, two seasons going head-to-head for so a number how, of years. How was that, Dan? Uh, you know, being buddies <laughs> and then uh, being, you know, prep school is very competitive, wouldn't you say? It is. I, I was. It was a great experience for me because we won all the games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was waiting yeah. for that. Yeah. Revisionist history. That's <laughs> yeah. not true. We'll go to the record books. But, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing it all now. I'm too old to remember correctly. No, it was great. I mean... <clears throat> there were a lot of great friendships formed, not only with the team that I played on in high school, and Brendan can attest to this, you know, prep school at that point in time, and I'm probably still the same today. It's just a great experience all around, academically, athletically, and building friendships, both within, you know, your school and outside. The hockey community, as you can attest to, too, Rock, is, is a very tight-knit uh, community. Um, so, you know, it was fun competing against Brendan and I, and then we played in an all-star tournament, at Harvard, yeah. the spring of our senior year, before you know we had already committed to go to Yale, so we got a little bit more reacquainted before we we went to Yale in the fall. Yeah. So yeah. how was that? Who told who first about Yale? <coughs> well, were we on a recruiting trip together? We weren't on. We did different weekends on the recruiting trip, but I remember the way I remember it, and I don't know, but we were playing at uh, in lacrosse. That is, Hotchkiss was playing at Choate our senior year. Yeah. And Dan and I go out for the coin toss. You know, um, he was captain of Choate, I was captain of Hotchkiss. We end up at center field for the coin toss before the lacrosse game. And I'm, one of us said to the other, like, hey, I heard you're going to Yale. And he said, yeah. So we kind of talked about it, you know, right before the start of this lacrosse game when we both had committed. And, and uh, so we caught up quickly then, and then we proceeded to, to beat, uh, beat Choate and lacrosse that day. And <laughs> uh, the rest is history. Allegedly. So, um, but no, I think, you know, Dan and I were, I think, probably attracted to Yale for the same reasons, you know, you know, a great place to get an education. Uh, our coach was uh, Tim Taylor, who, you know, um, sadly has passed away, but a, a big, big uh, name in USA hockey. He went on to coach the 94 Olympic team while we were at Yale um, in Littleham, Norway. So, you know, to get great coaching, go to a great school, and have an opportunity to play, you know, in the ECAC um, played a big role, obviously, in, in my decision. I'm sure Dan would say the same about ended up there. So, you know, really lucky to have ended up at the same school. And now, as Dan mentioned earlier, uh, the same town, two doors down. It's amazing. Yeah. I love it. I love hearing this. Okay, so a little bit back to the, uh, the hockey. Um, Brandon, best coach hockey mentor? Great question. There's been a number over the years. I'd say outside of my dad, uh, who you know is is really you know, who introduced me to hockey and is you know to this day you know I think I'd put him. He was the the biggest reason that I played the game and loved the game. He he taught me to love the game. Um, didn't spend a lot of time talking about X's and O's, but really let us um, you know 
become passionate about the game on our own and coached me while I was in youth hockey for a, a number of years. Um, so outside of my dad, I'd say my high school coach. Um, my high school coach was a, a guy by, by the name of Jeff Kozak, was from northern Minnesota, from the Iron Range, and had played in, at Dartmouth uh, in the 70s. And he just brought to the game uh, and taught us at, at very formative years you know, what it meant to be a student athlete and the demands of being a student athlete at a school like Hotchkiss and was able to carry that over to, 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 uh, to Yale. Um, and again, didn't focus a lot on, on the X's and O's, but he taught us how to be great teammates. Uh, he taught us about leadership, taught us about playing together as a team. And I know Dan will hate to hear this, but my senior year, we went on to win the New England Championship as underdogs against you know a number of, I think we were the last seed in the tournament and we rolled through the tournament um, not because we had the best players, but we just had the best team. And I think he was, he was a big part of having us believing that we could beat anybody. Um, and so, uh, you know, Jeff Kozak, who's now left Hotchkiss, but I, I would put him, you know, for sure as the, the biggest influence and best coach that I played for. And Dan? So the most, uh, I have two coaches that <clears throat> really stand out in my mind who are the most effective coaches for me for slightly different reasons than Brendan just talked about. One was John Conniff, who um, is no longer with us, and he coached in the Devil organization for a long time. And he was the assistant coach when I played on the World Junior Team um, during my freshman year in college. And the reason why he was so effective for me is because he was a clear communicator. A lot of uh, seasons would go by in hockey without clear communication between the coach and the player of what's expected specifically of that player. And for me, at least, it was very beneficial to hear his expertise because he had coached all the way up the ranks, up including the NHL. So that was very good for me to hear at that point in time. Um, but I would say the most effective coach that I had was Bruce Cassidy, who's actually the current coach of the Boston Bruins. He coached me um, in Jacksonville when I played in the East Coast Hockey League for a year and a half. We actually had one coach who got fired Butch had <clears throat> was still playing, got injured, blew out his knee, came down to Jacksonville and coached me for a year and a half. And what he taught me was how to be a true professional. Now, to our listeners, that doesn't really mean anything because the kids are so young and, you know, the lessons to be learned now are much different uh, than they need to be learned when the, when the kids get a little bit older. But he taught me consistency on how to play every single night, whether it was Tuesday night and two people were in the building or it was Saturday night and it was a playoff game. Um, so those were the two most effective coaches that I've had in my career. Yeah, those are great. Great to hear. So um, let's talk. Uh, I'm going to reverse the order. I'm going to go back to Dan this time. Uh, talk about your Rye Ranger Hockey Club responsibilities today. And uh, I'm leading into uh, the next question, which is I understand that both of you were part of the eyes in the sky mm. in, in terms of the, uh, this amazing tryouts, try, the tryout program that we have in the spring. So what do you do right now, Dan, for the program? Well, I think my number one job is to help clean up all the stuff off the ice after practice. <laughs> There's a lot of pucks, a lot of dividers and cones, so that's job number and one. And tires and bumpers. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you have to be efficient, too, because if Jay, well, Jay Altmaier runs the AU program, and if you're not, you know, done by the time the Zamboni comes out, he gives you a hard time. Um, so I help coach, uh, one of many coaches, uh, help coach the, uh, the, the might, well, this year it was Might ADM because my middle guy was in there, and then my daughter was in Might Minor, so I'm one of the eight to ten coaches on the ice. Um, <clears throat> and then at the end of this year, uh, I was fortunate enough to be invited to help on the selection committee for the tryouts. So I sat and tried to and gave my input 
on the 2009 birthdays and the 2010 birthdays. Had you ever been involved in anything like that before? And Not from that vantage point, not from a coaching slash evaluation standpoint. Um, so it, it, it was, I was a little bit unsure of how I was actually going to approach it, but once the kids hit the ice, for me, things kind of become very evident. Um, kids that age, the 2009, 2010 birthdays, which are now squirts, um, you know, in addition to having the kids and teaching skills on the ice and touching the puck all the time, what I try and instill in the kids is, you know, number one, speed, and number two, controlling the puck and not giving it away. And you could clearly see, um, you know, the kids kind of gravitated towards the top of the pack, did those two, two things well, um, and, and really play the game. It just, it's just a much, much, much faster game with the top kids as opposed to the kids that are still developing. And Brandon, did you find it uh, difficult to uh, be one of those uh, coaches up there and making those big decisions? Yeah, you know, it is difficult because for all the kids, I mean, you want what's best for them, you know, how much time and effort they put into wanting to make, you know, the, the team that, that they think they belong on or that their friends are on. There's lots of dynamics that go into it, you know, for the kids and the families. And as coaches, you know, you really, it, it's a big responsibility to be objective and, and to you, you come to it with you know having watched a number of these kids play over the years and you really want to make sure that you're looking at them you know and not thinking about you know their skill in years past but you know how they've developed and how they may fit in uh, on any particular team for next year and what's difficult now I mean from when Dan and I grew up tryouts were always in the fall so now with tryouts in the spring you know I think it's an added challenge for the kids they're coming off of you know, a long season of hockey, and next year seems, you know, ages away for them. And then you ask them to, you know, to kind of gear up after Lake Placid for a lot of these kids finishing, you know, their year-end tournament in Lake Placid, and then to come out and try out for a team um, that won't start up again until the fall. I think it's, it can be difficult for the kids, uh, but, um, you know, I think as coaches in the leadership of Rye Rangers, you know, Eric Bomber and, and Steve Ketchabaugh, and others do a great job of organizing those of us like you know Dan and I, uh, who are on you know the the selection committee and the eyes in the sky, um, and really teeing it up. And the numbers are so, which is a great thing, but the numbers are so large now right. with participation that there's a lot for you know the Rye Rangers to get through. Ice time is difficult to come by, so you've got a lot, got to get a lot of kids out there give everybody an opportunity to showcase themselves on multiple occasions because the kids are going to have an off night, an off tryout. So, um, you know, it is difficult and you want to you want to be sensitive to that. The kids are coming from multiple sports. And and so the nice thing is that there's there's a number of people involved in the decision making so that it's really is. And I'm sure at the squirt level with Dan, it was the same. I know at the peewee level with me, I mean, it really is we spend a lot of time talking about um, you know the kids and and the skill and these decisions are not made in advance by any means and it really was you know once I became part of the process um, it was you know really nice to see how thoughtful and how um, serious the the selection committee and those involved take placement um, because they know that it means a lot to these kids and, and their development. And they want them to be in the right spot. You don't want a kid who, you know, is on a team that they don't belong on because it doesn't benefit them. It doesn't benefit anybody um, for their confidence, for their skill development. 
So it's difficult. They're tough decisions to be made. Um, but it's, I think everybody involved in the process, the big takeaway is that there's a ton of thought um, put into it and a lot of really excellent evaluators of talent that, that participate in the, in the process. Yeah, what a challenge, you know. We got 250 families, got 450 players. I mean, you know, that's a lot of work to figure that out, you know, figure out all the teams. So we also now have about 15% uh, uh, girls in the program. Uh, what's your feeling about the uh, the co-ed hockey, and and do you think that uh, down the road we should be looking at a dedicated girls team, all girls team? You know, Dan and I both are lucky enough to have daughters, and uh, both who have been Rye Rangers. Uh, so it's a great question. My daughter played Rye Rangers, like I said earlier, through Peewees, and she loved it. Uh, she played co-ed teams, and for her. It, that was a great fit, you know. So it's always, I think, player dependent. But I think, in general, if we'll speak in general terms, I think the co-ed model through Peewees is wonderful. I think it sends the right message to the girls that, you know, hockey. The rules are the same for the boys and girls. So I think, you know, you run the risk if you put at a too early of an age and you separate them that there's a message that's delivered um, that you know you need to be separated because you know, you can't play with the boys. Uh, I love that my daughter played with, with the boys and she usually had one or two other girls on the team, which was also very nice. Um, and it was great to see how the boys embraced the girls. And I think given that Rye Rangers has been co-ed for as long as I've known it, um, the kids, for them it's natural. There's no, they were just, a, they were a team and they didn't view it as, as boys and girls. Having said that, I think I'd love to see at the Bantam level, and I say Bantam for listeners who aren't, you know, aren't sure, but checking starts at Bantam now. When Dan and I played, it started at Peewee. They pushed that out to Bantam. So when checking starts, I think it would be great, you know, provided that there was enough um, young women in the program to have a dedicated girls team come Bantam. Because I think if there had been someone like my daughter, for example, may still be playing hockey. You know, Larchmont has, a, 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 you know, a women's program, and so there are places to go. But I think given the growth, and Dan can speak to it because his Chloe is, is, is a younger skater now, but I think that my sense is at the younger levels there is even more girls playing so that there it may be even more viable now come Bantams to, to field a competitive all-girls team. Like Dan yeah, um, and it's funny that we, we've kind of stumbled onto this topic because I think we're going to try, and as a supplemental, to try and organize a U10 girls team to participate in the Connecticut Girls Hockey League, You know, something that Kesh and I are trying to coordinate on, and they have an organizational meeting in a couple weeks, and we're going to go look at that. But my view on, you know, my daughter is a 2010 birthday, um, and there's and in the evaluation of the 09s and the 10s, there are clearly some girls that should per, be participating in the co-ed teams. They're talented, um, and they can definitely keep up with the pace. But there are a certain group of girls that I coached all last year and actually took them to a, a tournament um, at the end of the year, and we went 4-0. Just throw that out Congrats. there. Thanks, thanks. In spite of their coach. That's right. That's right. They put me in the stands at the game, too. Uh, so... They, they love hanging out with each other. They're very good teammates. They've all become very close friends. And between being very good friends, um, promoting that camaraderie between the teammates, teaching them the skills that they need to develop in an environment that suits them better 
as opposed to the co-ed format, I think is really important. And the demographics are only going one way. There are only more and more girls that are going to start to play hockey and continue to play hockey. So I think that if we dip our toe as an organization into this and we have some success, you know, we'll see what we can in terms of see what we can do in terms of resources, ice and whatnot. But, you know, I think it's I think it's right for expansion for this for this program. Great to hear. Um, okay, two more questions. Um, hockey year round, specializing in hockey. There are certainly some players out there that are playing 150 games a year, fall, winter, spring, summer. And then there are a lot of kids that are trying to uh, find time to play either football or soccer or lacrosse like you both did and you know maybe tennis or even basketball, who knows? So what, what is your feeling about specialization and how important is it for these young kids to be well-rounded? I am 100% against specialization. Um, I think that the kids need to develop their athletic ability with other sports um, in different times of the year. One of the things that's pushed this year-round development is the fact that kids could commit to college at a very, very young age, i.e. eighth grade or ninth grade. Now, I may be wrong about this, but I think that kids cannot commit to college athletics until they're juniors in high school now. So that should alleviate some of that pressure in terms of specialization, and I hope that's the case. All sports are very difficult to pursue because they require so much work to be very, very good. Hockey is special in that. It requires that much more work because I feel that the skills needed to develop to be a good hockey player, just they're, they're greater than a lot of other sports. So you need to spend a lot of time doing it. And have gone, have, I've gone through all the steps. You know, I've played youth hockey, I've played high school hockey, I've played Division One college hockey, and I've played professional hockey, and I've played international hockey. It's a lot of work physically, and it's a lot of work mentally, too. So not only are we talking about a well-rounded development of a child, you know, a young athlete in other sports, which I think is incredibly important, I think their mental health of doing other things, seeing other people, spending time outside doing different things, is going to be very, very beneficial down the road when they decide to get very serious about one of those sports, possibly, at, say, 15 or 16 or 17, which, you know, I always use the term, that's the time to kind of step on the gas. But, you know, kids that are, you know, 9, 10, 11, they should be very well-rounded and do other things at other times of the year. Brennan, do you have any, um, if you agree, do you have a certain uh, list of sports do you think they complement ice hockey well? I do. I actually couldn't agree more. I think specialization, unfortunately, I think it's, you know, it, we're, we're ruining it, I think, for the kids because I think kids are, some you know, oftentimes just too young to know and haven't been exposed to enough to know what sports or activities they may, you know, develop a passion for. Um, the sports that I think complement hockey well, I, you know, I played lacrosse. I played lacrosse all through college. So I, you know, played both hockey and lacrosse for four years at Yale. So I could not be a bigger proponent of, you know, the multi-sport athlete um, model. I think that there wasn't sometimes a better feeling than at the end of a long hockey season putting the hockey stuff away and putting the lacrosse stuff on and going outside, you know, and, and joining a whole new set of teammates, new coaches, just, you know, it really, for me, it was reinvigorating. Um, so I think that lacrosse, you've got obviously, you know, it's a physical sport, hand-eye, you know, you, you, it's a, uh, uh, you know, with the stick. I think that I played soccer all through high school as well, obviously uh, different, but same, some of the same concepts. 
uh, particularly now that, uh, as Dan mentioned earlier, USA Hockey's kind of embraced a more, you know, some of the European model of, you know, versus dump and chase, stay in your lane, a lot more kind of flow. You know, if you look at an international soccer game, sometimes hockey um, will look a little bit more like that. So I think that those sports are great. I, to this day, I play pickup basketball twice a week at the, at the YMCA. Uh, so I really think that, you know, you have to, I think for parents that are listening, and to the extent that any kids are listening, you know, you have to decide what you're doing it for. Um, I think that if you're doing it just because you want, you know, to play at a college level or a professional level or even a high school level, um, versus are you doing it just because you love to play the game, you love to compete. And I think sometimes we get a little bit ahead of ourselves now with these kids and some of the specialization and year-round stuff. And I see it in some of the kids' eyes that they almost are kind of going through the motions that I think some of the love of the game isn't there. And I think, you know, my kids play multiple sports. My son, Nick, plays basketball and hockey all through the winter which, you know, back when I played, you, you couldn't even do that. But now, you know, and he is passionate about playing those sports. He plays baseball, spring basketball, obviously hockey. He plays soccer. Um, my daughter plays lacrosse. She does, you know, dance. She plays volleyball. So I really think that, you know, you've got to take a look at what do you want to get out of sports. And I tell the kids that I coach all the time that, you know, long after they're done playing, what they're going to remember most is – is the friendships, you know, the the teammates, the memories that not the wins and losses, not the goals and assists. I mean, uh, Dan and I, I think, are a testament to the fact that when we get together, uh, which is often the things that we talk about and laugh about to the extent we, we joke about the old days are not about anything that really happened in game. It's stuff that was on the bus, that was on the road, um, at practice in the locker room, those are the members. So for me, I think people have to decide, you know, when they're thinking about their kids and specialization is what, what, are, the, what are they doing it for? What's the end game? If somebody develops a passion for the sport, and then as Dan said, at 15 and 16, you take a look out and they're shooting pucks in the driveway or they want to hit the weight room at the right age, then you know you've got somebody who's serious about, you know, trying to, to play at another level. Um, but at the age that you know we're talking about now, youth hockey squirts and peewees, um, I just think it's too early. And you, for the kids, you can kind of take the joy out of the, you know playing team sports or any sport for that matter. Well, you both uh, you both said it very well. Listen, thank you so much. I, I've always been uh, concluding this podcast uh, with a, a question to uh, my guests, and today I have two of you. So you're going to have to figure out how you're going to answer this. What fun fact about yourself will be a surprise to our listeners? Well, it's kind of hockey related too. I played in the jazz band when I was in middle school and I was trying out for a peewee team here in Rye and we had four tryout sessions. And after the third session, I walked up to the coach and I said, coach, can't make it to the fourth session. I have a, I have a concert, jazz band. So when I see the coaches, one of the coaches' sons, he, they, they were a Rye family actually for a long time. When I see one of his sons, he reminds me of that story every time I see him, even though it was 30 years ago. So, <laughs> so for me, I think you could appreciate this, Rocky. You and I were talking uh, beforehand about both, you know, having boats in the Rye City Marina. I'm actually, I think, probably a little known fact, but I'm a commissioner. Uh, at the Rye City Boat Basin. Oh, you are. So Dan likes to remind me of that when. Is that you know, an elected when, office? It is. It's elected it is? by the. It elected is elected by, by, by who? 
by the slip owners. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you voted in the last election. I have to take a look yeah. at my ballot. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Did you get a $10 bill? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so working on, uh, you know, continuing to improve the, the Rye Marina. But but kidding aside, um, you know, that is a, a wonderful part of Rye. And, you know, I know when, when Dan talked about, you know, looking to move to Rye, a big part of the reason we moved to Rye was being on the water. And uh, where Dan and I live is very close, you know, just down the street is the, is the Rye Marina. So, um, you know, I ended up buying a boat and then getting involved in the marina. And now I'm, you know, a sitting commissioner on the, wow. uh, on the boat base. So, yeah. What's next? Are you going to be mayor? You know, <laughs> no, well, I think I'll be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all set with the, the boat basin. <laughs> hey, you know what? You guys have been terrific. And I, I just want to say uh, hats off to the Rye Rangers to, for having Brennan and, and Dan you know, with us and, and helping us and guiding us and leading us and, and doing so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for being here. Thanks thank for having you. us, Rocky. Yeah, thank you, Rocky.